Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, Blog Talk Radio listeners. I'm Evangelist Wanda Clay, sharing God's Sacred Word Bible study with you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for all you do. And though our best isn't good enough, we come asking for forgiveness. You are like none other, higher than the highest. So I ask that you fix that that needs fixing everywhere for everybody because you already know our needs. And move in me, Lord, to help others understand your words on this talk show. I pray that you continue its growth and bless Blog Talk Radio financially and spiritually. Lord, give us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of what you want us to know. And I pray for those who seek your word to find you, Heavenly Father. Bless and watch over them in Jesus' name. Let them and everyone everywhere learn to depend on you. And those who have found you, lead and guide us not into temptation. But help us to just walk away. Bless those, Lord, who are struggling and those not struggling. Because we need a blessing from you today, Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, help us to love and pray for ourselves and others. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Before... I start. Let me again thank God for guiding me, and I pray for everyone's understanding of his word. And as always, I thank Minister Joel Lewis and Granny's place for giving me this opportunity. I'm here three Fridays a month, 8 a.m. to 8.30 a.m. Plus, on Facebook, you're welcome to join our group 24 hours with questions, answers, comments, recipes, and much more. Turn on Blog Talk Radio. I will give you the outline of each chapter and comment on some verses. In this Bible study, we will study from Genesis to Revelation. Three times. Now, let's get into our lesson. Our lesson comes from Colossians, chapter 3, line of Colossians, chapter 3. In the first part of Colossians, chapter 3, and verses 1 through 4, the apostles exhorts us to set our hearts upon heaven and take them off of this world. In the second part, verses 5 through 11, he exalts to the mortification of sin. In the third part, verses 12 through 17, he earnestly presses to mutual love and compassion. And the last part, of uh, Colossians chapter 3 and verses 18 through 28, 
He concludes with exhortations to relative duties of husbands and wives, parents and children, masters and servants. Due to time, we're going to focus on verses 12 through 17 and verses 18 through 25. Loving and forgiving one another and God's order of life which he created and our duties as Christians. These writings are similar to those in Ephesians. Now in verses 12 through 17, the apostle proceeds to extol mutual love and compassion. And he says, to put on therefore vows of mercy, he writes to them that they are not to lose the credit of their holiness, nor the comfort of them being chosen and beloved, who are holy toward God, and is lowly and loving toward all men, as in verse 8. But he says, we must put on compassion and kindness and not only cease to do evil, but learn to do well. So he tells them what we must put on in particular. And he said to put on in number one, Compassion toward the miserable, bowels of mercy, the tenderest mercy. Those who owe so much to mercy ought to be merciful to all who are proper objects of mercy. Be ye merciful as your Father is merciful in Luke 6 and 36. And he says, that we must not only be humble, but have a humble mind in submission to those above us and condescending to those below us. I am meek and lowly in heart. Matthew 11 and 29. And he says to show meekness toward those who have provoked us. And we must bridle our anger and patiently for the angers of others. And he writes concerning mutual forbearance, forbearance, forbearing one another. We, he says, all have something which needs to be dealt with, and this is a good reason why we should bear with others in what is disagreeable to us. We need the same good term from others, which are bound to show them. And he says to have a readiness to forgive one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, while we are in this world, where there is so much corruption in our hearts, quarrels will sometimes happen, even among the elect of God, who are holy and beloved in Barnabas in Acts 15 and 39 and as Paul and Peter did in Galatians 2 and 14 which they parted from one another and he said it is our duty to forgive one another in such cases and not to bear any grudges 
and just let it pass by because even as Christ forgave you, you should do so also. And he said that, and above all things, put on charity. And let this be the upper garment, the mark of our uh, dignity and distinction to faith, and showing brotherly kindness with charity. Second Peter 1, 5 through 7. Verse 15 says, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts with a peaceful spirit that keeps and makes peace. All who are his. And Paul said, Let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Verse 16. And the gospel, which is the word of Christ, which has come to us, is not enough. It must dwell in us in all wisdom. And he says the proper office of wisdom is to apply what we know to ourselves. For our own direction, the word of Christ must dwell in us in all wisdom to make us good Christians as well as become wisdom's children. And he says that we are to teach one another, and it must be done in the name of Christ. Verse 17. And whatsoever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, according to his command, in compliance with his authority, by strength derived from him with an eye to his glory, and dependent upon his merit for the acceptance of what is good by him. Ephesians 5 and 20 says, And the Lord Jesus must be the meditator of our praises as well as our prayers. We must give thanks to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now we move down to verses 18 through 25. And the apostle flips the script, concluding the chapter with exhortation to relative duties as before in the epistle to the Ephesians. And Paul begins with the duties of wives and husbands in verse 18. And he says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands as it is fit in the Lord. And he says that submission is the duty of wives for the reason that Abraham was first born, and then Eve. The head of the woman is the man, and the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man, because it's agreeable to the order of nature, as well as the will of God. And on the other hand, he said, husbands must love their wives, and not be bitter against them in verse that they must love them with tender and faithful affection as Christ loved the church and as their own bodies and even themselves 
And they must not be bitter against them, not using them unkindly with harsh language or severe treatment, but to be kind and obligating to them in all things. For the woman was made for the man. Then Paul goes on to write the duty of children and parents. And he says, children, obey your parents in all things. For this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Verse 20. The apostle requires them to honor as well as obey their parents that it should be well with them and that they should live long on the earth. And he says that dutiful children are most likely to prosper in the world and enjoy a long life. And that parents must be tender as well as children are obedient. 21, Ephesians 6 and 2. And Paul tells the apostles, Provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Let not your authority over them be exercised with rigor and severity, but with kindness and gentleness, lest you raise their passions and you discourage them in their duty. And by holding the reins too tight, fly out with great fierceness. The bad temper, an example of imprudent parents, often proves a hindrance to the children and a stumbling block in their way. See Ephesians 6 and 4. And here, Paul flips the script again. And he speaks on servants and masters in verse 22. And Paul says, servants who fear God will be just and faithful when they're from under their master's eye because they know that they are under the eye of God. And he says that we are really doing our duty to God when we are faithful in our duty to men. And for servants, encouragement, let them know that a good and faithful servant is never far from heaven being a servant. Knowing that that of the Lord, you shall receive the reward of inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. In verse 24. Paul wrote, to serve Christ, and he will be your paymaster. And you will have a glorious reward at the end. Though you are now servants, you will receive the inheritance of sons. And Paul ends by saying, there is a righteous God who, if servants wrong their masters, will reckon with them for it, though they may uh, conceal it from their master's sight. And he will be sure to punish the unjust as well as reward the faithful servant, and vice versa, if masters wrong their servants. And there is no respect of person with him, 
equal hand toward the master and the servant. We now move on to chapter 4 of Colossians. Colossians chapter 4 outline is as follows. The first part in verses 1, he continues his account of the duty of masters from the close of the former chapter. The second part, verses 2 through 4, he exalts to the duty of prayer and decent conduct toward those with whom we converse or carry on conversation, verses 5 and 6. The third part, verses 7 through 18, he closes the epistle with the mention of several of his friends of whom he gives honorable testimony. Verses 2 through 4 and verses 5 and 6. But first, let's look at verse 1 so we don't get lost in the other verses. In verse 1, the apostle proceeds with the duties of masters to the servants, which is part of the foregoing chapter, and it is also in the book of Ephesians. And he says that justice is required of masters to your servants, that which is just and equal. Not only strict justice, but being fair and showing kindness. Verse 1. James 5 and 4 says, Be faithful to your promises to them, and perform your agreement, not defrauding them of their dues. And do not lay unreasonable burdens upon them beyond their strength. Provide for them for the better of a cheerful service. And Paul tells them that you who are masters of others have a master yourself and are servants of another Lord. You're not lords of yourself. And we are accountable to the one above. So deal with your servants as you expect God to deal with you because you are both servants of the same Lord in different relations, and we are equally accountable to him. Verses 2 through 4 says, It is part of your duty which masters owe their servants to pray with them and to pray daily with them. And he says, As part of your charges, you must not only do justly and kindly by them, but act as a Christian and be concerned for their souls as well as their bodies for the blessings of God upon them as well as the success of your affairs in their hands, prayer, he says, without being diverted from it by other businesses. And he says that thanksgiving, must have a part in every prayer, as well as praying also for us. Verse 3. And Paul goes on to write, the people must pray particularly for their ministers 
and keep them in their hearts at all times at the throne of grace. So God would open to us up to him that I may open my mouth boldly to speak the mystery of Christ. For I am in bond and a prisoner at Rome by the violent mischievous uh, Jews. So Paul asked the Colossians to pray for him that I may manifest the mystery known to those who have not heard of it and make it plain to their understanding in such a matter as I ought to do, that I may not be discouraged in my work, nor driven from it by my suffering, that I may speak the difference, the deepest doctrines of the gospel with plainness, of which Christ is the principal subject. He calls it the mystery of the gospel. Ephesians 6 and 19, or else he means the preaching of the gospel to the Gentile world, which he calls the mystery, hitting from the 1 and 26, or the mystery of Christ, which is in Ephesians 3 and 4. Now, Paul knew as well as any man how to speak. And yet he begged their prayers for them. He might be taught to speak. The best of Christians, he said, lead the prayers of meaner Christians and are not above asking them. These speakers need prayer that God would give them a door of utterance that they may speak as they ought to speak. In verses 5 through 6, and now he exalts them, Father, to a decent conduct toward all those with whom they converse, toward the heathen world, of those out of the Christian church. Paul said, walk in wisdom toward those who are the result. In verse 5. And be careful, he says, for evil communication corrupts good manners. And he says, do not hurt them, nor increase their prejudice against religion, giving them an occasion of dislike, but improve of doing them good and making the best use of their time, because the days are evil, dangerous. And we are in time of trouble and suffering. This sounds like times of today. So Paul said, let your speech always be with grace toward others or those who are within as well as those who are without. In all your decourse be as Christian. Though it may be not always of grace. It must be always with grace. Because grace is the salt which seasons our discourse, makes it savory, and keeps it from corrupting. 
And he ends by writing to the Colossians, saying, We need a great deal of wisdom and grace to give proper answers to every man, particularly in answering the adversaries against our religion and giving the reasons of our faith and showing the unreasonable of their exceptions to the best advantage of our cause and least prejudice to ourselves. This ends our Bible study. I pray God's word has shed some light on things for you. I will see you next time right here. May God bless you and keep you until we meet again. Bye.